Good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of Black Beat Podcast. Hi, I'm John Washington, the CEO and editor-in-chief of Flossom Media, and I'll be your host for today's show, where we, as always, take, take a politically Black approach to profiling people and stories that are significant in advancing the connectivity of our community. Today, we are honored to welcome Senator Lou Frederick to the beat. For more than a decade, the Senator has been significant and influential voice in the Oregon legislation. Growing up in the era of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Senator has remained committed to improving public safety in a real and meaningful and humane way through police reform measures, building economic vitality and security through increasing economic opportunities and providing relief in times of hardships most notably though, the creation of the Oregon Cares Fund, which provided cash grants to black individuals, black owned businesses and black led pro, pro, nonprofit organizations who have experienced financial adversity due to COVID-19. His most recent legislation and proposals include in Oregon state bills 618 and 619, which is which directs the Oregon Department of Revenue to pay individuals who could, could demonstrate heritage and slavery as an annual annuity. Welcome, Senator Frederick. Now, well, thank Fred you very much, and I appreciate you uh, correcting that because uh, one of the things is it's not an annual amount, it's an annuity, which is a different, <laughs> different situation. And unfortunately, one of the reporters who reported it for on the national level, decided that it was annual and that that headline went across the country, across the world. So it's, <laughs> right it's, 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 a, it's a different thing altogether, but yes, okay. thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. That was a very kind introduction. I really appreciate it. Lou, we love you around here. So we'd like to at least be able to delve into some of the great work that you've been doing up until this time in, in light of some of the challenges that our society and our and, and our health realities have, have, boy, we've been coming under attack in a lot of different ways. But Lou, yeah. today I'd like to ask you a few questions maybe you can share with our viewers sure. and our listeners. Um, uh, Lou, can you share a little bit with your background? What inspired you to choose the role of public uh, work? Well, I think it's just a, a sort of a requirement from the from where I came from, where where my family was from and, and what we were involved with. I, I always talk about the fact that I was tear gas. My first experience with tear gas was when I was eight years old. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I remember, I remember that you don't forget something like that. But I also grew up in the middle of the civil rights movement. You were correct. I mean, my, my, uh, my playmates in elementary school were Marty, Yolanda and Dexter uh, King. Uh, Dr. King was the father of my playmates. And he told, he's the one who told me to quit running through the house. But he also told me, and, and so did my, my parents and all the adults around me, said that uh, your job when you grow up is to, doesn't matter what kind of career you have in terms of what you do to make money, but your job as an adult is to make things better for the people who come after you. So that's been sort of a requirement for me, whether I was going to be a, a molecular biologist or, or an artist or an actor or or, or a reporter or whatever. I mean, I, that my job was to make things better. So that's what's propelled me to, to, to stay and, and to do when, whenever I had the opportunity to step in and try to do what I could. Right on, and we appreciate that. Hey Lou, do me a favor, why don't you share with some of our viewers 
uh, some of your successes in moving Oregon in a more just, equitable direction, including the work addressing your police reform? Well, it's really interesting for me because uh, back in 2010, when we had the, the shooting of uh, Aaron Campbell, if you remember, uh, we had uh, the, the, the representatives, I had just gotten, just gotten appointed to the legislature. And uh, one of the conversations I ended up having with a group of legislators uh, was about what are we gonna do about the Portland police was the, the line that, that was used. And I thought to myself, there's an, an, an aspect of this that's important. One is people are actually thinking about it, but I don't think they would have brought it up if I had not been in the room. So uh, that's part of it as well. And I began to put together programs or ideas about excessive use of force, uh, discipline issues, how you tracked what was going on, how you recruited people, who did the, uh, the, uh, the um, investigation when there was a case of some form. So began working on bills and, and introducing those bills in 2011, uh, when, when my first full, first full session. Um, I continued to introduce those bills and bills like that uh, for, the next, for, for the next few sessions, uh, all the sessions actually. What happened though is, as you know, as everyone knows, the, um, the murder of George Floyd uh, brought this, uh, these, these ideas to the front, uh, to, 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 the, to everyone's face and saying, you know, this is, these issues, these concerns, uh, these, these stories about uh, black people being beaten up by the police or treated, treated badly by the police in one form or another were, were no longer just um, uh, myths or things that you're just taking it too, too you're taking it too, too seriously here. Uh, these were things now that were in fact real. And before that, I mean, I'd managed to pass bills on, uh, on dealing with um, body cameras, the ability for folks to, um, to, to actually film what was going on, because at one time you couldn't do that uh, in Oregon. Mm. Uh, they, they could arrest you for, for that. Uh, they, I also, you know, did a number of other things. And there, there, were, there were some sometimes subtle situations where we managed to uh, actually say, no, you need to track who you're, to, who you're uh, pulling over who you're encountering as a police officer, who you're encountering, track that in terms of uh, racial uh, disparities. We found, of course, that there were racial disparities, but there, but uh, there was we we started uh, with bills that did that kind of thing, as well as bills that talked about having uh, making sure that teachers that we started to look at minority teachers and supporting minority teachers and curriculum. Uh, creating curriculum that was clearly uh, designed to, to talk about the contributions of African-Americans and Native Americans and Asian-Americans and, and Latino Americans. But we managed to get uh, a number of bills like that together, as well as um, some of the economic issues, because it became very clear that a lot of folks were, that there was money out there. In fact, one of the first bills that I ended up dealing with was uh, the fact that we had money out there from the, by way of the, uh, um, Obama administration, and that was coming into the state, but it was not being handed, was not being um, given to black, uh, black, black businesses at all. Uh, and we, so I began to talk about that. Part of it, and then part of this is, is uh, the, the reason that there's been a change is not just the, uh, the news, but it's also the fact that when I came into the Oregon legislature, I was the only black man, black person in the Oregon house. Yeah, that, that, that was going to be my next question to you, was to ask you, how have they received some of these newly founded changes well, <laughs> down the, there in the, the house? 
Well, I, you know, I, I was the only one in the house, and uh, Jackie Winters was the only black person right. in the only other black male, right? And okay. I, and I used to, I used to, I used to joke about the fact that when I walked over to see Jackie, that the whole Capitol tilted just a little <laughs> bit because because of that. But um, the fact is, that's what was going on. Now that we had had in the past, we had had a number of black uh, representatives and senators: uh, Avell Gordley, Margaret Carter. Right, the, and, and Jack, Jackie Winters were three, three of them in the Senate at one time. Um, um, you, you also had at one time that one of the, the first president, black president pro tem was um, was uh, Bill McCoy. Right. right and you had you had uh, J- uh, Jim Hill there and, and you had Bob um, um, Bob Boyer as well. Uh, and you had in the House, you had um, you had Joanne Hardesty. And uh, and also, I mean, and and a number of other folks. I mean, that's that's how it's gone. But now, now something something has really changed. We now have <laughs> what we, call, change, what is we, we, na- we we now have a, a BIPOC caucus, a Black, Indigenous, and People of Color caucus that has twelve people in it. Wow, what twelve a people and three three African American men in the Senate. Uh, and uh, one just was just appointed, um, Casey Jama, who happens to also be a Somali refugee, uh, but he's he's now in the Senate, uh, and with with uh, with James Manning, who's from Eugene, right. uh, and then we have um, we have nine nine uh, uh, minority folks in the House, including um, uh, uh, Janelle Bynum, and uh, and and the uh, and 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 uh, f- five. Um, Latino, Latinx uh, folks there, and a Native American person who happens to be representing my district, Tana Sanchez here, and uh, and 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 a Vietnamese uh, right. young woman who's. So we have a we're st- we're starting to see a real change. So when you get twelve of us, you get a caucus, you get a caucus that's decided that they're going to do something. Things can change. I mean, I have a we put out a, a, a thing and I can get that to you. That's uh, of 10 of the major, uh, major uh, bills or major areas that we're going to be, we've put bills in to try to make some changes. Uh, and because we're sitting on committees, uh, because we're talking with people, or as one person put it to me the other day, on, uh, a long time ago, actually said to me, you know, the, the fact is, if you aren't at the table, you're on the menu. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, yeah that's some old school information there. It really is. Well, what, let me tell you, we are now at the table. Yes, we sir. are. And we're, we're making it clear that we're at the table and we want to see some changes or demanding some changes. So that's what's going on right now. Well, right on, Lou. And, and, and I appreciate that. And one of the more notable achievements is the creation of the disbursement of the Oregon Cares Fund, which yes. provided financial relief to Black organizations and businesses and Black families suffering from disproportionately not just from the pandemic, but systemic racism and roadblocks to prosperity. Please share with us, Lou, um, the successes and challenges you're experiencing, including the lawsuit lodged against the fund. Can you talk a little bit about some of that stuff? Sure, absolutely. You know, the thing that happened with the COVID um, uh, uh, pandemic is that it, it exposed um, real problems that have been there for quite some time. And uh, we were talking about some of the, the the public safety and law enforcement project problems, but it exposed the healthcare issues, the housing issues, the education issues, and the economic issues. If you recall, uh, the initial money that came in from the federal government went out to folks, but a lot of black 
a, a significantly small number of black businesses got any of that money. And that was because in many cases they were not connected to the banks. And part of the, uh, the way that the money was dispersed was through the banks. You had to have a resp- um, already have a relationship with banks. Uh, and so many of those folks were simply not getting, not getting that money. And then of course we were looking at uh, the, as, as everyone has seen, the uh, disproportionate number of people who were getting ill, who were, who were getting sick yeah. with the virus uh, and they were African-American. And then of course, a, a significant number of uh, African-American folks work in the service industry, work in the now essential services uh, in, industry. And they were also p- potentially exposed and were, or were being exposed to the virus as well. So it was easy to, to suddenly say, look, Here's what we've been talking about all along. We need to do something about this. And I've got to say, the other thing that was really, really supportive was the fact that when we said that, we didn't say it just as the black community saying that. There were 151 organizations and leaders who stepped forward from the, uh, the uh, Asian Pacific Islander community, the, um, the, the Latinx community, the Native American community, the immigrant and, and uh, population, all sorts of folks stepped forward and said, this is something you gotta do for the black community. We need to do it for our communities in different ways, uh, but we, we, you need to step forward to do that. And so that's way w- what we were able to pass uh, the, inf- the, 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 uh, that particular bill out of the emergency board back in, uh, I believe it was June uh, right. and say, uh, can, this is what we need to do. And we were able to do it in a, in a bipartisan fashion, by the way, this was that's not yeah, a democratic thing. And wow. so we were able to do it. Uh, what happened though, is that of course, uh, you, unfortunately we have folks who, who, want to, um, who, who want to somehow divide people as much as possible. And they, they were, some of them decided that that's what they were gonna, they were gonna say that, that, no, that they, they were left out and, and was unfair that, uh, that they didn't get something like that. We had made that, we made the point very clear, but it, they still can file court suits they filed lawsuits. Um, some of them were dismissed immediately. They filed another lawsuit. So that one, that one was also dismissed. And then they filed a couple more. And so right now, although we had managed to hand out all but about $8 million of the fund, we had $62 million to hand out. All wow. but $8 million had been hand, handed out. They froze that $8 million. And, uh, and people are still where we will be dealing with the the uh, the whole courts re- related to that at some point. Uh, that's I don't what know made, when that's scheduled. Made, right now. What made that 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 one last third one uh, begin to freeze? What what made it different than the other two? What what you know, made the, the third I, one? I'm not really sure, quite frankly. Um, it it was uh, there were there were two of them actually. There were two lawsuits filed in that third round. So uh, there were uh, both in both cases uh, they managed to to somehow freeze it. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what the language was about it, uh, but it's it's frozen at this particular point, not not dismissed completely. But we will, I'm sure, we'll have more discussion about it here shortly. Well, tell me a little bit then, Lou, about the reparations, but boy, because I'm gonna tell you, you're moving along a track that I would never in a hundred years recognizing all of the growth and what you've done and all your involvement in the community. But boy, you know, you have advanced the ball 
down the field to almost scoring the touchdown. No, you talk <laughs> well, about reparations. reparations, Bill. You got going on next year. <laughs> you get into a, a football analogy so quickly there. I don't know <laughs> yeah, what to do about it. I'm sorry, but you know me. I'm, I'm inside <laughs> the 20 all my life. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, uh, I think that the, the key there is this. Um, it, it is important. This is a time that we can talk about this. We have not really had a time that we can bring this kind of thing up and have people listen. Now, I'm not sure that we're going to get very far. I, I, I was going to say that don't don't expect me don't expect me to get into the end zone right away here. Um, this is this is going to be a difficult situation. But you know, it, I sort of got tired of people telling me that um, would never talk about it. And wow. I said, well, let's 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 have this conversation because there there are actually three bills. One is six eighteen, one six nineteen, and the other one is uh, uh, two uh, Senate S J M four. Yeah, Senate. Uh, yeah, um, uh, whatever. Um, uh, it's a memorial uh, 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 that 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 is that is really just saying that we agree with the potential for reparations that's come out of the in in Congress uh, because there's a bill in Congress, and I believe it's. Representative Bar, um, Lee, who has the, who's the co-sponsor, who's the sponsor on that. But, you know, I think it's just time for us to talk about um, what has actually taken place with African-Americans in Oregon and how, and how that has affected the um, uh, truly, not, not, not a news story about it, not a book about it, not a, not a, uh, a report uh, that that somehow someone's put together in an academic uh, digest or something like that, but to really say, look, look, folks, this is what has been the case for African Americans in the state of Oregon. What do we do about it? How do we actually handle it? Uh, and when you start talking about it in terms of, frankly, when you start talking about it in terms of money, people pay attention. Uh, if you start, if you're talking about it, and we've had resolutions, we have had. We have had um, days dedicated to to these these issues, but when you start talking about the fact that um, that the, the kind of um, redlining that's that's taken place has had an impact on the fact that that folks cannot um, have enough money to start a business or to send their kids to college because they couldn't they couldn't get loans from the banks because things had been redlined around their, their homes or their homes had been destroyed, even though they might've owned them because they were able to, people were able to come in and uh, take over their particular property uh, because of wanting to, to, to build a freeway or to make a coliseum or to, to deal with the hospital area. Um, those kinds of things are, uh, when you start showing this, not just, not just talking about it in a, in a committee meeting or something like that, but saying, you know, these folks really deserved some kind of compensation for this kind of, of activity. What is that going to be? We aren't saying well, exactly. I mean, the $123,000 annuity is an idea. It's not something that you're going to, that, that is a, you know, hard and stone kind of thing. But it is saying, this is a, this should give you an idea of what, what, we could we could begin to talk about here. Now there are folks who want to disrupt that in some way. They want to say, well, how can you prove that someone came from a, a, a slave background? Um, and and that's actually 
not that difficult. But there are people who want to who want to say, well, I'm not sure that I could go back and well, yeah, you could probably pretty could, well easily yeah. find that out. Uh, and so there, there's that kind of approach that we want to we need to look at as well. Uh, but the, the real key here is let's talk about this. Let's let's not just talk about it in some uh, academic environment, but let's talk about it in the real world, because the real world is uh, a, a situation where people have not been able to to put together an economic uh, history, or an economic future because of the way that they've been discriminated against in the in, in the real world right now here. Senator Fredericks, I got to tell you, you know, after all the years of watching you in the game, I can tell you this, you are inside the 20 and you got down there and, and, and within the two second, I mean, two minute drill without, a problem. you know, we watched you all of this time coming up to this time. And we, you know, we would always talk about you in the community, you just catch off to a slow start or whatever. But, you know, Lou, we got to tell you, after the years of staying in the game and, and staying on the track, you know, you have gotten this ball to a place to where courage is, is an understatement here. You are literally in the game of having the conversation. You brought it to a place of the conversation, the actual conversations. Man, much kudos and respect to you because that is a challenge and a feat that we, for years people have been at least just trying to get it to a conversation place. So the courage and being one of the lone elements now that you got a supportive cast around you down today, but you weren't always, you didn't always have a supportive cast around you. You were a Lone Ranger in that arena for a long time. So much respect to you, big kudos, good shout out to you, man, for the work that you're doing down there, and especially in some of these areas in which concern black people and the families and the communities in which they exist and live in. So Lou, well, tell us, go ahead. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, th the key thing for me is this, um, what I'm pleased to see is that we're starting to see, actually starting to see uh, the African-American community uh, not uh, really step forward and understand what the system looks like. Not, not the system that they might have read about or seen on television or, or something like that, but they're actually stepping forward. I mean, some of the voting that took place this last, in this last election, folks, not just here, but, but in, in other parts of the country, that meant that people stepped forward and said, okay, you know, we've got to do something. We can't wait for someone else to do this. We have to step forward to do it. If you look at what's going on uh, and people running for office around the state, we have three African-American um, uh, men right now who are, who are mayors long in, in, long you know, in Albany, in Gresham, and out in the little town of Garibaldi out on the coast. I wow. mean, you know, we have we have folks who are who are stepping forward and saying, you know, I think it's time for us to to uh, to really not accept the idea that someone else is going to make our decisions for us. We're going to step forward. We're going to be at the table. So we're starting to see that. And we're starting to see that, especially with some of the young people who are saying, you know, we need to do this now. They need to also understand how the system works, because it doesn't work overnight. I mean, right. uh, somebody said, uh, somebody said, I'm an overnight success. I said, no, no. That, that, then that was a long night. <laughs> we knew when you stepped on the field the first time. So, so yeah, it's been a long run, boy, I'll tell you, you know, and, but Lou, to be honest with you, uh, man, much respect to you, especially this is, this is the heavy lift and you're in the game and in the time of the heavy lift. And I talk a little bit about these football analogies. Most people don't realize 
And when you're playing, you know, and you're running 30 yards down the field, all of that is great and all of that. But the real work is when you're inside the 20, you know, getting ready to go punch it in. And that's when you get your most resistance. And that's when you need your strongest player. And so, and what I what we've been watching you do is has been something short of, of 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 spectacular. I mean, in terms of these last iteration of things that are that are going on that are associated and affecting the black community today. Now, Lou, tell us a little bit in light of our time and the realization is tell us what what's what's next on the horizon. What tell us a little bit about what you forecast, how some of these things are gonna go, or what tell tell us a little bit about the work that's ahead of you. Well, I think we're going to I think you'll see that the racial equity issues are going to be at the top of the list uh, in the in the le legislature um, because of the, the 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 way that people have stepped forward. Um, the I think the governor has made that clear. Uh, both all of the caucuses, both Republican and Democrat, have made that clear that they know that this is an issue that they they need to deal with uh, and that they may disagree on how. But there are this. It's very clear that that that's an issue. So I think we're going to see some changes there, and that's going to be changes. You know, it's not going to be changes in terms of just um, saying that you're talking about uh, racial issues. You're going to be talking about housing, and you're going to be talking about healthcare, and you're going to be talking about education, and you're going to be talking about environmental issues, and they are all going to be um, related to. Uh, what we have missed because of this uh, this virus, because of this pandemic, it's going to be clearly people are going to say, well, how does this affect what we do with um, with um, the, the school to prison pipeline and all the other things that that take place? So that's that's what you I think you're going to see. Well, you know, Lou, it's important that you put black businesses in that quiver of yours. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Man, that we and we will circle back to you on the. Another another conversation about black businesses in, in Oregon. But hey, Lou, it, this has been a great opportunity for you to share with our listeners a little bit about the fight that is going on on the front line these days. And I really appreciate you taking a minute out of your time to come and talk to our viewers about some of these concerns that they should have what's affecting the community, the black community in, in, here in Portland, Oregon. So I thank you again. And this concludes um, this episode of Black Beat. And uh, Senator Lou Fredericks, it's always been a, been a respectful relationship with you, and we appreciate the work that you're doing. And please, thank you, and thank your people for being able to get you here to do this work with us today, and thank you again. huh? Thanks for the invitation. You take care. You too, Lou. Much respect to you, huh? Thank you. Yes. Take it away, feeling too good to me Chilling all day, all in your space is where I wanna be Here in this room, what did you do? I just can't get enough Too caught up in your love